fans, you've heard us talking about it. We encourage you still to go to our Twitter page at 816 Basketball. Click on the GoFundMe link for our boy Takuma Letsum. Donate to his cause as he is fighting ALS. Again, at 816 Basketball on Twitter. And a lot of you have done it, but just in case you haven't, go to teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for incredible coaching resources by Coach Steve Collins. Again, teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. Most of y'all are moving into the offseason now, so it'll be a, what a great chance to work on your craft. Again, teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. And last but not least, our boy Billy Kegler is absolutely rolling with the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Check him out wherever you can find your podcast and on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with coaches around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a high school coach, a college coach, a freshman coach, or a JV coach that gets his uh, butt beat in a huge comeback by the host of the show. Uh, we're not get, we're, we will not <laughs> talk about that one on the air. It was a great pre-show chatter. We're going to leave that one there. Uh, he, he, this, our, our guest today, Chris de Blasio. Yeah. He, he may have lost a game in a JV game years and years and years ago, but he now has a title. He's the head boys coach at river bluff, but he is now a state championship winning coach, Ben Lee. Welcome to the greatest games podcast. Guys. Thanks so much for, for having me on. Even if we're going to, you know, rip the bandage off of an old wound like that, <laughs> I, uh, it'll make it more exciting for sure. <laughs> Well, again, Ben, I, neither one of us remembered the game, and you brought it up in the pre-show chat. So, really, that's that's on you. So now that's, we can... no, that's fair. <laughs> Self-tormenting sometimes can be a good, <laughs> my worst nightmare. But as Coach said, a state championship makes up for all those losses. It certainly does. And we're going to hear about that game later on. But, Coach, why don't you give us a little rundown of your resume and coaching and how you got to where you are? Yeah, so I uh... – I played high school basketball for Bailey Harris over at Lexington High School. Um, it was a great experience. Uh, he actually, my senior year, we played against one of the greatest high school teams in the state of South Carolina has ever seen. It was Ed Scott and his lower Richland Diamond Hornets at Row Howell, Ivan Howell. I mean, an amazing team. Um, lots of lots of conflicting memories of that game, too, as far as good and bad. But I uh, went on and played small college basketball at Montreat. Had a great time playing there for Bill Robinson and then kind of after three years of that, transferred back to the University of South Carolina to start my prerequisites for kind of the education program. And when I started doing that, kind of got involved with Coach Harris's middle school teams, helping, I think it was Gordon Stallard over Lexington Middle School for a little while, and then Joey Reed was, was there. And that uh, was a great way to kind of get into it. Um, I, then I spent a year as, as Coach Harris's B-team coach for Lexington. And then once I had my degree and got a job at Lexington High School, I was his JV coach for – for about six years. Um, and then a, a new school was starting. Um, this place, River Bluff High School, was, was going to split off of Lexington High School. Um, I, I got a great opportunity to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, I, I spent one final year. We knew that River Bluff was opening, so I had to spend one year as just a varsity assistant with Bailey, which could have been really tumultuous, I guess, if we didn't handle it real well, knowing that half of these kids from this high school were coming over to River Bluff. But we made sure we – Stayed in open communication about everything. And then in 2013, our school opened and um, 
you know, lots of, lots of ups and downs, uh, especially with a program that was just starting off and, uh, Somehow in year eight, uh, snuck our way into a state championship game and kind of kind of shocked a lot of people with what we were able to finish with. So talk about that, Ben. We I think this might be the first time we've had a head coach that actually started a program. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but to be able to step in and actually start a program. I mean, I'm talking decision making with uh, warm ups and uniforms and everything that goes into it. I'm fascinated. What's it like actually really starting a program at a new? I don't mean to interrupt the question. Our buddy, we had the White Knoll coach on. Had he started that program, or he came maybe a couple years into White Knoll? No, Brett. Brett did start White Knoll. Okay, um, in a very very similar thing you know white knoll splitting off of lexington high school um and and I, i'll be honest i you know i i think that ha coach harris having gone through that once um with a guy that had played for him and coached with him so long i think there were a lot of lessons learned just how to kind of go into that and so he had a lot of leadership in that i you know was kind of this wide-eyed kid just trying to look for an opportunity and um you know, was able to kind of follow a little bit of his leadership in that situation to make sure that we communicated about everything. And in those situations, you end up with some parents that want to kind of, Hey, let me talk to you about this opportunity. Let me talk to you. And you just got to kind of say, Hey, listen, just step back. We want to make the best decision that we can. And um, you just wanted it to be, be, to be fair for everybody. You know, you're in this for the kids. So you wanted to make sure that we weren't cheating any of them. Coach, we had Bailey Harris on, um, and obviously his accomplishments are, you know, legendary and numerous in, in uh, the Palmetto State. You played for him. You worked for him. How do you escape not being a Bailey Harris clone and being your own coach or not having people pigeonhole you like that? Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I can answer that. I don't, I don't know if anybody would look at me and necessarily say that I haven't been. Um, but here's the thing. When you've got a guy that has been that successful, uh, I played for him. I worked with him. I, 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 he did it the right way. He was a family man. Um, you know, I, I think I just more embrace, like, let's follow that leadership. Let's, let's, let's just embrace that. Um, if, you know, they want to sit, I don't know, listen, if they want to sit there and say, I want to stay championship because I played for Bailey, that's okay. I still was on a team that won a state championship. I'll, I'll take that. That's fine with me. There's, I think there's a lot worse things to have to battle than that for sure. Uh, he's a great man and a great coach. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, now that I would say I probably do have some things that I do on my own, but I learned a lot from him and uh, it would have been stupid to ignore some of those things out of pride for sure. Yeah, and that's episode 45 of this podcast. We talked that that episode was fascinating. We talk about uh, crying on the air. I'm about to cry. He's talking about uh, his teams that uh, beat us in cross country those years. So he he's a great coach across all, all multiple sports. And so to be able to take bits and pieces from him, I, I hear you on that. He's he's an absolute great man. You know, Ben. I, I will tell you though. I know uh, we're going to get to your state championship game here in a little while. Um, but starting the program. Uh, and now in year eight, winning a state championship. But talk about those early years, just the, the grind that it was to really get that, to get it off the ground, to get kids bought in. Uh, there's a great article in the state that you you talk about some of that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I've going through this year, even with COVID, kind of makes you reflect back on all the experiences that you've had. And that first team I had was a bunch of great young men. I had one kid on that team who had ever played in a varsity basketball game before. 
and we didn't really catch any favors with the high school league. We, we were 3A, and that was back when there were only four classifications. But our, our region was Drear with Tevin Mack and that loaded team. Uh, LR, which I still think is, you know, was, are they not the most legendary program in the state? Um, AC Flora, who won the state championship that year. Then you got Ron Mackey, who's creative as all get out over at Camden. Uh, and then Westwood, who for most of that year, that was only their second year in their existence, but they were top 10 3A for most of that year. And then uh, we're coming with this scrappy group that really were kids that hadn't played a lot. They were kind of the second team for JV and the second team for B team. And this is an opportunity for them. And, you know, and, and then to be honest, like I'm, I'm going into this thing, I'm, I'm thinking I'm cocky. I'm going to every coaching clinic that I can. I'm going to take every bit and, and piece that I can get from coaches. I'm going to put this perfect formula together and I'm just going to coach and will this team to some wins. And that's, that's just not how it goes. Uh, you know, you, you try your best, you try to make it a great experience. Um, and then you realize how good these coaches are, how good these programs are. And, uh, you, you realize that you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get with it. Um, you know, first year we won six games. We, I did a, I think after our first seven games of that year, I kind of did a breakdown on our scoring and we were averaging only about 45.4 points per game but we were only giving up like 46 points, something points for like, we were really, really close, but just young coach didn't know how to win young players that weren't experienced. We just didn't know how to win. And then you get into region play and it's just survival of the fittest. Um, I did after that year, have to make some choices. Like we we've got to decide, like, are we going to sell out everything just to try to have the most talented guys in our school? Or are we going to have some, are we going to really invest in character? And so we had some guys that didn't come back that next year. Uh, we invested in some really, really young guys. Now, a lot of those guys were primarily other sports. They were baseball guys, but they were great. And we only won four games. And our best player that year, Jamie Clark, broke his wrist going into region play. So it really kind of limited anything that we were able to do after that. And, um, yeah, you get, it, it, was, it was tough. There were some tough years. The next year had a little more success. We went, I think, uh, 11 and 13. And then that following year, we went eight games. We're in the 5A region with Blythewood and Spring Valley and Lexington and Irmo. You know, I, I'm sitting here trying just to get to double-digit wins in my career. And I've got two guys in the region in Bailey and Tim that I mean, 700 wins apiece, something like that, it's, you know. Um, but you embrace that. Like, I, I try to play Tim Whipple every year. Uh, whether he's going to kick my butt twice, that's fine. I know that I'm going to learn a lot watching the game film after that. Um, and that was kind of that story I'd shared with Lou about, you know, we, we had pinpointed a game at Spring Valley where we felt like right, we've got to go in there and compete for this game. If we have any kind of shot of sneaking in the playoffs and the night before was that first Clemson national championship game. And I had a bunch of huge Clemson fans and I, I don't blame them. If South Carolina was playing in a football national championship game, I don't know where my focus would be. Uh, but that next day when they got on the bus, you could just tell they, they didn't sleep. Like they stayed up, watched the game. That's fine. But then they were just so excited and jacked up that they – and so by the time it's – for us to perform, they just – they were not just a step slow. They were about two steps slow. We got <laughs> moped. Um, and it just – I, for a moment there, kind of gave into this. Did I make the right decision? Do I need to go do something else? Like, do I need to have a career change? Um, and, then, and then you – like, I got halfway through the school day feeling sorry for myself, and then it just kind of hit you like – I'm being a hypocrite. Like I get in these kids face all the time about facing challenges and not backing down to it. And listen, it's okay to fail as long as you're giving it the right amount of effort. Like you're giving it everything you got and you fail. Okay. That's fine. But if 
if you're going to just give up and that that's a character flaw. Uh, and I had to tell myself that. And uh, so kind of at that point it was, listen, failure's not the problem. That's not the character flaw. It's the way that you approach going into something. Um, and so just kind of changed my mindset there. Uh, now we also were very fortunate. Um, you know, we had a, a young man, Terrell Wyndham moved in the next year from Florida. I uh, had a young man, um, Lawson Danley moved in from Alabama and then we had a good young group that was coming up and uh, it just that all of a sudden we win 17 games that year number five and we don't really look back. Um, and, and so building a program, it, it's you got to give it everything you got. And then it helps to get some some positive breaks here and there also. Well, coach, first thing first is I feel like I'm on year two at varsity coach at the school I'm at and it's been a struggle. And just hearing, and I have a lot of coaching mentors up here, but they're in year 25 and 30 telling me that when they struggle, but, but hearing your struggles at the beginning at River Bluff, it sounds like you're, you were where I am. And I can see where you are because you're only eight years down the road rather than yeah. some of these guys I know that are 30 years down the road and have 500 wins. I'm like, yeah, well, your struggles were a long time ago. So listening to you gives me hope as a coach, you know, that, you know, about doing the right things. And the, the thing you said about not backing down from the challenge or not trying, like you may fail. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night before the national championship game. And before the show, we talked about uh, the UCLA Gonzaga game. And I don't know if you saw the post game uh, comments from Mick Cronin, the UCLA coach. And that's basically what he said. You know, the, the announcer asked him, do you, you know, and not that, not that you felt like a failure, obviously not in that game, but he said, you know, I sit in John Wooden's seat. And, you know, Coach Wooden never talked about winning. He talked about, you know, giving your best effort. That's the winning, you know. And if you do that, it sounds like you're saying the same thing there, that, you know, that will lead to the winning, that if you're giving your best effort in everything you do to build the program. So, and well, McCronin said it a lot better than I just did there. I, I absolutely believe. I mean, one of the things that I kind of made that decision after after that fourth year was – the way that you approach it is going to really matter. And so, and I, I felt like the whole time I've been there, like we really were diving into the kids and more than just what they could do as a basketball player. Like we, we were interested in what their interests were. We wanted to know what they wanted to major in, what schools they were interested in going to, who they were as a person, what their, their moral code was and the things that make them tick. Um, and to be honest, in those first years, that was kind of the thing that got me through it. I, I do look back at that second year where we only won four games and that team, we never had a bad practice. Now we didn't have anybody that was over six, one and playing in a, a four. Hey, that's my yeah, team. There you go. <laughs> but, but I still have guys on those teams. Like they reached out after that state championship game and, and just the things they said were phenomenal. Um, you really appreciate that you're impacting these kids and, and, and you do it the right way, and that's, it'll start to snowball. And, and those kids, I think, realized that they were part of the foundation that was being built, and I tried to make sure that I communicated that to them all. Like, this, the success of this team, while this team gets the rings, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears from a lot of different people that kind of go into it, uh, which, is, which is fun. So keep battling, Coach. I, I, I completely know where you are. Um, and, and I was actually talking to some other coaches before that were trying to change the trajectory of the program. There's a lot of days you go home feeling like, did, did I forget 
did I forget how to coach basketball? Did I forget all this stuff? Like, <laughs> was Bailey Harris somehow wrong when he was when we were going over some of this stuff? And you just got to stick with it. Um, and and another thing that's kind of frustrating at the same time is sometimes you got to make sure that all the parents are a little bit mad at you. That way, you know that you're kind of balancing everything out the way that you need to. So, well, I'm good there. there I, go. I'm terrific <laughs> there. I'm, I got that down pat. Uh, just quickly before Brian gets, uh, you talk about those kids that played on those first couple teams investing, still have an investment in this state championship. I just heard an interview last week with uh, the great Hall of Fame baseball player Ryan Sandberg, and the 2016 Cubs gave Ryan Sandberg a World Series ring. That's that's awesome. That's because awesome. of, because he was kind of always around the team and always, you know, but that he gave, you know, his all in his career to the Chicago Cubs just wasn't able to win one. Yeah. They actually got him a World Series ring. That's that's phenomenal. I don't know if I can afford to get all those other kids. Well, ring, but. <laughs> the Cubs organization has a little bit more money than the River Bluff High School, I think. It's funny you say that because we actually have all of them on the line. So, guys, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, we won't do that to you. Uh, you know, I think that's such a, a, a wonderful backdrop, a, a setting to set here before you get to these great games. We talk a lot about – on this show a lot about culture and doing things the right way. And like you said, pouring into kids. I, I love that. Asking them where they're going, where they want to go to school, where they want to major in sincerely being interested in them as kids. And Oh, by the way, you play basketball at river bluff, but you're, you're a kid where this is a relationship is so huge. So to be able to move into these great games that you sent in uh, the final four game and the state championship game, take us into those gyms. Tell us about the, uh, those games, coach. You know, the Dutch Fort game, is such an emotional game. Um, I'm really, really good friends with Brett Jones, literally just at his 50th birthday party the other night. Um, spent a lot of time with him. And he he came over and worked with me at River Bluff in year three. And I'll be honest, that actually helps transition and stem the tide a little bit because, you know, he was actually my JV coach when I was at Lexington. And just it reaffirmed all these core things I thought about the game. Right. And we approach young people the same way you invest in them and things will end up working out. So I do owe a great deal of gratitude to him when he came over and and was just, he would just kind of look at me like, Ben, no, you're doing the right things. You, you know what's this is the right way to do it. Um, and so that was, you know, we we go way back and we play each other a lot. We're always in the same little tip off tournament. I don't know how many seasons we played three times. Uh, it seems like the past few years, River Bluff, Dutch Fort games in the region are going to just mean a whole lot more uh, because usually like, you know, last year we, we finished in the tide this past season. Um, he ends up winning it and, and is ahead of us one game. Um, and so it just seems like every time I turn around, I'm coaching Brett Jones, you know, a guy that taught me a lot about, about basketball and how to do this. Um, and so, and then, and then also it's the lower state championship game, you know, like there's kind of this feel, if you can get to a state championship game, it almost, whether you win it or you lose it or whatever, getting there is just such a, a symbolic thing. And it just kind of affirms all this work you've put into it. Right. Uh, and you get to go play in a cool facility and, and everybody kind of pats you on the back and that stuff's nice too, but it just kind of, maybe, I guess when you're, when you're with your peers, uh, and other basketball coaches, it, it, you kind of feel like, okay, yeah, I've been to one of these games too. And it, we, I've been going to coaching clinics with Brett and, and Thomas and all these guys. And like, I was like, I guess I have to be the one that sleeps on the floor in the hotel room since you both have coached in these and Thomas <laughs> using bag on four rings. Um, but it's just, it was it was an emotional game going into it just because of what you what it meant to win that game. Um, and then you're going against a guy where you know everything they're running, they know everything we're running. 
and it's just, a, it's just a battle. I mean, it, it, it comes down to intangibles. And as a coach, you don't like that just for the simple sake that you don't control that, you know, small little plays, a whistle here, a whistle there, you know, block charge calls. Like, you know, I know the officials are doing the best they can, but a lot of times in those plays, when you hear that whistle, you don't know what, what hand gesture they're about to make. Um, and then, and that game did come down. I mean, we, we got off to a great start, uh, shot the ball really, really well, but we've done that to Dutch fork a number of times. And then they've got this young man, Houston Jones over there that all of a sudden just starts making buckets from everywhere. And, uh, he, he missed his first couple, but then he hit, he hit a 23 footer at one point in the first half that you're just like, okay, his confidence is going to be sky high today. This is going to be problematic. And we, we worked on that. Like, you see Houston Jones coming across half court, even though we're his own team, we're picking up as high as we can pick him up. Um, but yet he just keeps shooting from further back sometimes, or again, these are 17 year olds and they, you know, have a brain fart for a second. And all of a sudden Houston's got one up in the air and, you know, you, you're scrambling and you, you're, you know, um, and of course at the end of that game, it comes down to pretty remarkable situations. Uh, Houston hits a 24 footer that ties the game. Um, and his side, the Dutch fork side of the gym just goes nuts. And you kind of looking at your kids. Cause you know, that's a big momentum swing. Like, okay, what are they coming into our huddle with? Are they broken or can we salvage something here? And, and even though it's just a tie game, you're, you're dealing with 16 and 17 year olds. So a shot like that all of a sudden can make them feel like they just lost the world. Uh, but they were, they was a pretty calm and cool bunch. Um, a really interesting and special group of kids that we had. Uh, and so we just kind of kept playing. Malachi gets it to the rim, scores a basket. We're up two. Um, they they come back down towards the end, and and we kind of know that they're looking for something for Houston, but we're stymieing them a little bit. Brett calls a timeout, and uh, we're like, okay. And, and now we're predominantly a zone team, but we're manning up. Like I'm not. Houston Jones isn't going to just shoot over the top of our zone. That's just not going to happen. And at first we had put on where we were going to switch everything. You know, you work on these end of game situations. Usually if you're up two, you can't give up a three. You don't want to give up a two. You want to make that as hard as possible, but you can't give up a clean look. that's going to cost you the game. Um, and so we kind of, they come out, we're looking at how they're lined up. Um, I see Houston on kind of the coach's side block. There's a little stack there. And uh, I call my timeout and bring them over. And I just look at Miles Jenkins. It's like, we're not, we're not switching right now. You just, you just got to lock up. Like, there's going to be screens. I don't know where they're going to try to get Houston the ball, but he, it's coming to him. Um, and so he, he embraces that. And they had a great play. He just kind of skipped it over the top. Um, and then the next thing you know, there's a little guard that's kind of playing dummy, Jordan. And then you just see him run into this screen. And uh, he's coming to screen in Miles, hits Miles clean. Miles gets over the top of it, does a great job. Uh, but they end up – that was enough space for Houston to catch it. Houston puts a little ball fake up. Miles is giving everything he has. I mean, we're, and we're just hoping this clock has to be ticking. You know, at some point you got to hear the buzzer. <laughs> it's just not coming. And uh, Houston is savvy, has plenty of time. Ball fakes, gets Miles to fly by, takes one dribble. And then Chase Powell for us um, kind of sees that's happening. He's coming over to give everything he can to contest. And we can go back on whether we think it should have been a whistle or not, but he got his foot out a little bit. There was contact. I'll give him the contact. Um, and so they call the foul. And, I, you know, as a coach, you don't want to do that. But at the same time, if you're going to shoot one time open to beat me or you're going to have to make multiple shots, 
uh, okay, I can, I can kind of survive it. And maybe I'm got that attitude now because I'm looking back at the result of it. <laughs> um, and it's not the first thing you want up there. Uh, but you know, he just made a 24 footer where adrenaline helps make those shots. And now you're going to go sit, stand still on a 15 foot line from the rim with all of our students behind it. And that's, that's tough. That's tough. And, uh, you know, another kind of side note, having been friends with Brett, my mom watches children for a living and she had watched Houston Jones since he was one, maybe even before then. So I've known this young man his entire life. He played middle school for us before Brett got the job over at Dutch Fork. Great kid, great young man. So it's kind of this, you know, and all of our, all of our kids are friends. It was, it was a really emotional kind of situation. Um, and he went up there and, and he probably rushed that first one a little bit, but he was trying to just kind of stay in the flow. I can understand what he's doing and uh, try to a little hard to the right. Um, and that kind of lets the air out a little bit for our team. Like, okay, if he makes these other two, it's just a tie. He tries to stay on the line and stay in it and shoots that next one. And again, still just that adrenaline of the moment makes that such a hard shot and uh, misses that second one. And so they call a timeout. We know that they've got to miss it on purpose and we've got to just go all out. Like you've got to get it and swallow it, grab it with two hands. If somebody else's arm is in there, that's fine. We can take their, their arm home with us. It's just, you got to get the ball and the shot can't go up. <laughs> and if you go back and watch that, uh, it goes up, Malachi gets a hand on it, and then Chase Powell comes running in there, and he grabs that thing with two hands <laughs> and, just, and just eats it. Like, he just leans over on it like somebody's trying to steal it. And then even at his – like, the, the horn finally goes off, and if you look at his facial expression, he still doesn't believe it, and he's still just kind of holding that ball like, am I allowed to get yet or not? Um, and so it's – in one in that instance, you're ecstatic for your team and your staff and your fans and your administration. Um but then you got this personal relationship with, with a young man who is decimated, you know, and there's no other way to kind of to, to do that. Uh, and then you're going down to shake one of your best friend's hands in a situation where, you know, his season is ending. And we all know what that locker room conversation is like when you go in there. Like every season ends with that, except for one lucky team every year. Um, and it's therapeutic in a way, but you don't, as a coach, never, you never look forward to walking in there. You don't have, that end of the year speech lined up and, and for that to have been his son in that situation. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine how difficult that was. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people reached out to Houston the, the following week. Um, you know, I, here's what's going to happen is this coming season, he's going to put 45 or something on us and just take his day out on us. And, and that's, you know, that okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, an extremely emotional day. So excited for my kids after that, and uh, but but kind of heartbroken for him at the same time. Well, coach, there's so many things. I'm I first of all, Brett Jones, episode 62. Brian, am I right on that? Let me let me effort that while you. I believe um, episode 62. We had Brett Jones on. Uh, yes, it is episode 62. One of the things you talked about was your kids coming to the huddle after Houston hit a big shot. I'll never forget uh, episode 28, Paul Pamakala of Passaic High School, New Jersey, talked about that, that his kids came to a huddle after, after giving up a late lead to go into overtime. And they came in the huddle and they were like, we got this, coach. We're winning this thing in overtime. And it was sort of – you sort of – I mean, your kids didn't say that, but you indicated that, that your kids came to that huddle and were not phased by him tying the game up there. They were prepared and ready to go. And then the last thing, just the very end there, you talked about that kid missing the shot um, or missing the free throw. 
I think even if I didn't know the kid, I would, I would feel so much for that kid. Even if I didn't know him more than I feel great for my own kids and uh, down where you are in South Carolina, that just happened with the South Carolina women's team in the final four. And Dawn Staley, again, I don't know if you saw the press conference, Dawn Staley talked about it, about Aaliyah Boston missing the tip-in that would have put him oh, into yeah. the championship game. And and what was it's just amazing, like these things that come back, is Dawn Staley said she had a three-pointer in the air in 1992 in the national championship game against Stanford and coach Tara Vanderveer that she missed. And she said, Aaliyah will never get over it. She said, I've never gotten over it, but she'll move past it. You know, like you'll never get over it, but you'll move past it and you'll become a better player because of it. I uh, I was fortunate to talk in Houston that week and I, I basically just kind of said similar things like, listen, it, it's going to be something you'll remember forever and, and I'm not sure it'll ever stop hurting. But I said, I basically just told him, I will be upset with you if that leads you to shy away from that moment in the future. Like you earned the right to take that shot you earn the right to be the guy on the free throw line in the clutch time. Your teammates rely on you and that's, that's your role and your responsibility. And then you're going to make, you're going to make a bunch of those in the future. Uh, as, but you can't let this one that didn't work out ever affect or limit your ability to step into that situation again in the future. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Yeah, just to, just to piggyback, it's all, it's all just learning experiences. Right. I mean, I think I, I love what you say to, to Houston after that, like, Hey, don't let that be that thing that has you shy away. But it, that's, we, we all have those. I have my, my moments. I remember stepping over the end line, trying to take the ball out of bounds. I think it was a JV game. I was playing back when I was in eighth grade or something, stepping over that line. I step that play still with me is and I, I lost, lost the game by like, Oh man, you know, but I also believe too. And then Chris will know about probably what I'm about to say that it never comes down. It never does come down to one, one simple play like that. It's not one referee's call. It's a it's an offensive rebound that was given up in the first quarter or a turnover, just a, a silly play where we lost a little bit of focus. And it's all, you know, even back to what we're talking about the Gonzaga game the other night, it really doesn't come down to just that one play. It just happens to be the end of the game. But that is so that's almost impossible to get across to teenage kids, those. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah, no doubt. And we have, well, I'd say the luxury. Sometimes it's not the luxury. We go back and watch these games a thousand times and you, you pinpoint all of these moments that just add up to either the win or the loss. And, uh, I, you know, in, in again, like a mature brain and having done this for a long time, you, you develop that perspective. And for a 17-year-old, you know, that, that one moment can be just the only thing you remember from a game. And that's not fair, right? Because he hit a 24-footer to, to put him, like, to tie the game. Like, he – he was huge in that game for them. And so, absolutely. You, you just never know the, the accumulation of plays. There's just so many of them. That, that, <laughs> one, that one play doesn't you know, right. make a break. Brian, I grounded out to end my Little League career with the bases loaded down one run, the final game of the season. And I grounded out to second base. I grounded out to Gavin Houston. Son of well, a bitch. We've got some night <laughs> here. You want to go ahead and process that out with me and Ben? We can talk about it a little bit. and we can. My dad was coaching me, and he called timeout. And he was like, are you all right? And I was like, oh, no, uh, like getting ready for the head bat. I was so nervous, and I crapped the bed. <laughs> yeah. 
again, I mean, I'm, it's it's just all part of growing up. I get it. We, like I said, we've all got those stories. Uh, so, Ben, take us to your next game, which is we have mentioned several times the state championship for River Bluff. So, take us into that that arena or that uh, the the convocation yeah. center at uh, USC Aiken for the first time ever, if I believe is that that's right. So, take us into that state championship. And then just before just before he gets into it, he plays Dorman High School, who had four consecutive state championships. Episode fifty two, Brian. Coach Thomas Ryan from Dorman High School. You're killing it tonight, Chris. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's impressive. Killing that's it. impressive that you can just pull it all off the top like no, that. No, I'm looking on the internet. That's been- <laughs> oh, okay. Can't give up your secrets like that sometimes. You just got to go with it. Um, yeah, no, listen, that, that was a, a fun day. Um, we had a big send-off from the school. We, we brought the kids in for a shoot-around. Um, once we brought them in, we kind of kept them there. We fed them lunch. We watched – the episode of last dance where the bulls finally got over the pistons, you know, this, and, and to be honest, I, when the, the last dance first came out, I didn't know if these kids would really embrace it the way that I did. Cause the, the bulls were such an important part of those formative years for me and, and my love for basketball. Um, but they, they were into it. I mean, they were all about it. And uh, cause we asked what they wanted to watch and that's, that's the episode. And that was the series that they asked, this is what we want to watch before we go. And uh so we go down there, have a cool send off. We get down to the gym and get changed and the kids are out and they're kind of stretching and they're, they're oddly calm. Um, you know, I felt like a weird buzz energy before the lower state championship game from them. I did not feel that from them in this one. Um, so I didn't know if they were just emotionally drained from what happened on Tuesday. You know, normally you get a week between games, which is probably too long. Um, but this one, you know, it's, you know, we went on Tuesday. You're just kind of trying to heal up on Wednesday by watching film and getting some shots up. You're game planning Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday you got to get to it. So I send my assistant down there. I'm like, see if you can get a feel. Like, if they're focused or, I mean, are they ignorant? Do they not realize what's <laughs> about to happen? And he kind of goes down there and he talks to him a little bit and gets some interactions. He comes back and goes, Coach, I don't – I mean, they, they, seem, they seem focused. And if it's ignorance, that's fine. I don't think that it – matters i mean they just don't feel like this moment's too big for them and uh and, and to be honest like game planning for Dorman, it, it wasn't like we had a thousand options that we were trying to choose from right like our game plan was pretty simple just as far as fact like we got to try to survive because this is a phenomenal group of players phenomenally coached like it limits what you can do like you're just seeing all right this is this is going to be our best shot let's go with it i guess the kids just kind of bought into it uh, felt comfortable with it. Um, and then you get a performance like Miles Jenkins had 31 and nine um, hit from everywhere, scored at the rim with multiple and one finishes. I think he was three for three or four for four and 15 foot pull-ups, which we kind of talked about the day before that. Like we felt like that was going to be the difference. They're going to have length on him guarding the ball. Felt like he could get open after one dribble, but there's a six, nine guy waiting for you at the rim. So finishing at the rim could be a challenge. So you need to be ready to take that one dribble, create that space and knock down a 15 foot pull up, which apparently doesn't really exist in in basketball anymore. But listen, we were going to embrace it. And then he even shot from distance. I mean, the first three of the game, you know, first few points we have is just a little pin down screen from Malachi where he catches it and knocks down a three from the wing. Um, So he he scored from everywhere. And I don't don't think he missed a free throw. He might've missed one in there somewhere, but um, just, we knew that he was our best uh, athletic option. He was our best option to score in the paint. So we had some base on out of bounds stuff where we were just trying to kind of get it to him in the paint and see what he could do with it. Um, and, you know, I, I, 
he was just special um, and never felt like he was forcing it. Never felt like he was taking shots from other kids' hands. Uh, the kids never, I mean, and they, and they were looking for him. They knew it's this fun thing to watch a team really kind of solidify to where, okay, you're going to be our alpha. Uh, we're going to be here and maximize these supporting roles the best we can. And it's a little bit easier to get that in a state championship game, I think, because your team's having success. That was a huge challenge early on, trying to find a way to get kids to just accept their roles. And I'm sure some of the kids that didn't get as many minutes in that game were probably a little hurt or were during the game. But then you go back and look at the pictures afterwards and you see just that, that, that look of excitement on their face and it's all, you know, you know, it's all worth it. And I even, Brooks Bentley, our sophomore in our group, I came up to him and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get you in today. He goes, coach, I don't care. I get a ring. <laughs> so it, it just kind of like, okay, these kids, these kids get it. And, um, you know, listen, that first quarter, we shot the lights out, got looks all over the place. Um, to be honest, throughout the playoffs, I think a lot of teams saw our group warm up. And if you ever see a team picture, uh, you're going to kind of look at them and be like, okay, yeah, we're about to just destroy this group. These guys look like soccer players. And, uh, but came out, I, maybe Dorman was a little slow defensively. And, and we had a great first quarter, you know, 21-12 going into the going to the bench after the first quarter. Uh, and, and you kind of know, listen, that's that's the best situation right now that we could have. But I think we just poked the bear a little bit, you know. Um, and I'd, I'd seen them. I watched all, all of their playoff games, watched – I think I had like 30-something games. Didn't get to all of them, but we divided them up. Um, and, it, and it was an interesting thing. Like, Thomas is tight with all those coaches up there, but – he has four consecutive 5A state championships. So, I, you know, I call Lane Fowler and he's like, listen, Ben, I think you can win, you know, and, and does he really need a fifth state championship? You know, like you, you can do this. Um, and so I don't know if they were just trying to talk me into believing it or what. Um, and then, and then they came out second quarter. Uh, their pressure on the ball was a lot more intense. They had switched the matchup. They had started with, um, with Noah Clowney on miles because they didn't think that he was going to be able to shoot it from outside. And they were worried about us sitting him on the block, trying to get a physical matchup there. Well, then he shot it from outside. So then they kind of switch and they get Surratt on him. Um, and in our group, we, you guess you could consider it positionless basketball, but it's just a five-man flowing motion that we're trying to just continuously move and cut. And, and one of the ideas for the game was like, we don't, we don't want to try to get to 70 points. That's, that's not going to be a successful recipe for us take your time on offensive possessions. And, and so kind of you start getting into that a little bit in that second and third quarter. You know, the second quarter we only scored nine. The third quarter somehow we only scored five and we weren't run out of the gym. I don't know how that happened. But just trying to eat clock. Now, not, not trying to take shots out of kids' hands. Uh, we want them to take what they can get. But it's hard to get shots against a team like Gorman, especially when they're fired up and, and, and feel like their backs are against the wall. Um, and so, you know, kind of coming out of the third quarter, we realized, all right, another five-point quarter is going to bury us, and we're already down now. We're down going into the fourth quarter. So trying to figure out where can we get some looks. So we, we talk about running a little more of some – we got like a two-three high look where there's a lot of moving parts to it, but it pulls their bigs away from the rim a little bit. Can we ISO miles and get it to where he's attacking the rim with somebody not necessarily there in good position? Um, and then really we end up the shot that puts us over the top where we, I think we got down 45, 40 miles comes down and gets an end one. But then the next shot was our five guy 
we were supposed to screen down on them. We had this little two, three high action where we enter the wing and we have two guards run through. And the second guard is supposed to pin down uh, the big for Dorman so that our big can pop to the top. And if you watch the tape, our kid missed it. Like he missed the screen. And as soon as he realized that he does like, he kind of spins around looking around like, I know I was supposed to do something. What was it? But fortunately for us. Look. That's a great look yeah, when you see that. What's you oh, your coach? Yeah, you co- as a coach, you're looking over like, oh my God. Um, but fortunately for us, I mean, that's a, that's a five on five matchup, right? So that's their big, who's their rim protector. And we had started our big a little bit lower. So he's sitting there feeling like he's got to protect the rim and our kid floats to the top and we have that swing. Now we have a little bit of a luxury with miles was the guy that if he didn't like the look from the top, he's swinging it to him for an ISO on that side. And, but we were wanting him to be more aggressive with that look from the top of the key. It hit too earlier in the game. That's, that's what we're trying to get that pin down for. And not only did we miss the screen, but then Preston, our big, takes so long to catch the ball square and look to the rim like we're – to us, it's happening in slow motion. Like he's not, he's not getting this off. He's not – and the next thing you know, he, he gets it released. Um, Noah's probably a step slower than he needed to be getting to him, which, which helped, but he's also worried about defending the rim on any kind of drive. And so it just gave him just enough space to get it off, and it goes in. And as soon as that one went in, you could just feel with our whole staff and our kids, it wasn't, there wasn't any anxiety now. It was, okay, this is, this is our opportunity. And it was like this relaxed aggression that they started having where they were, they, their energy was back on the defensive side as far as containing, containing drives and making sure that they boxed out their bigs. Um, they started cutting in the five-man motion a whole lot more aggressively. It just re-energized everything. And, um, you know, we were fortunate at that point, you know, Dorman didn't get some of the looks that I think they were wanting to get coming down and they kind of got stuck on that 45 mark. Um, and, and we finished by making a lot of free throws and, and a couple breakaway layups. Um, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there as this is happening and, and you still got time on the clock, but at one point you, you get up eight and you're like, okay, like this is, this is a legitimate possibility now. <laughs> which that's really the first time, even as you're game planning to play Dorman, you're really just kind of game planning. Like we just want to give our best effort. We're kind of happy to be here. We want to try to win, but you know, if we don't, okay, we weren't necessarily expected to, we're going to throw our best haymakers we can and see what happens. But then you're sitting there and time's running off the clock and, and the energy behind you and fans behind you starts kind of building and, uh, I think somebody may have said something on the bench one time, like, coach, we're going to do, it. I was like, stop, stop. You guys keep quiet. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden it hit zeros <laughs> and you're like, Dah. with three seconds ago, if he said, we're going to do it, I'd say, shut up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. There's, there's like an eight point shot somewhere in this. <laughs> they're going to find. Uh, and then you're, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot of kind of emotion. Your head spinning. Um, you're watching your team celebrate. You're thinking about those six-win and four-win teams and how in the world did we progress all the way to this point. Um, and it, I, but it, it's, it's these kids. I mean, they just were a special group. Um, we were really fortunate to have some people, uh, Lamyron Jenkins and Richie Adams, run a local AAU group. And a long time ago, they got all these kids together with the idea of community in mind. And, uh, you know, Miles Jenkins – could have gone and played with a lot of other AAU groups and, and been on these big circuits and all that, but he wanted to play with his friends and they wanted to, they wanted to 
kind of build these connections. And, and there's sometimes where you could tell that they had played too much together. You know, you had moments in practice where they're kind of frustrated with each other and tired of each other, but it built into that moment. You know, we got to be a part of that. Um, it, was, it was great. It was awesome. Well, Coach, I mean, that's an unbelievable uh, achievement to win a state championship. And then you said beating Dorman, who's been on a run there for four or five years, and Coach Thomas Ryan. And um, it just sounds like a wonderful – I read the article. We, we're gonna, we'll put the article there, Brian, in the, uh, in the uh, show notes, the article from the state newspaper that talks about it. And, and they do a good job of – of talking about, you know, where your program started to where it was. Uh, and congratulations. It was also your 100th win in the I, state championship. How about that? Uh, I had to fill out an information sheet, uh, I guess, before the lower state championship game. They're like, uh, yeah, we need your overall records. I'm like, okay, I got to go add these things up. And uh, I noticed before the lower state championship game is at 98. I was like, <laughs> I don't know that's – and that would be cool for your hundredth win to be a state championship game, but you're just kind of like, okay, there's too many things here to make this <laughs> a statistical kind of anomaly. There's no way that that's the way that it goes. Um, but, but it, but it did yeah. for you. So yeah. that's, that's great. So coach, we like to end it here on a fun question. If I asked some of those kids that play for you on that first river bluff team, and I asked miles Jenkins, what's the one thing coach Lee always says in practice or in a game, what's that one thing that you always say? It, it, to be honest, it's not even going to be a basketball thing. I no, say that's, the, that's I fine. Say, I say the phrase, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I say that so many times. It's, I don't even it's, – it's just a habit now. Like, I didn't even realize I said it that much until one of my assistant coaches was like, why – you you say that a lot, coach. And, I, and, like, and I'm asking a genuine question. Like, <laughs> we'll go, oh, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and you'll be surprised how many of them will look at you – and I, I think I learned this back in the day. It might have been that Ridgeview JV game where I thought kids understood the defensive rotations and they just proved not to. Uh, they'll, just, they'll just stay quiet. And they'll go out onto the floor and not have a clue what you just told them. And so I want to give them the opportunity. Do you need me to repeat? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I say that a lot. That's a good one. That's, that is a good one. <laughs> like I see, for me, it shows up as a – and I've done it on this podcast tonight – you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And for me, it's just a, it's a crutch, but I, I hear you, Ben Lee. That's a, that's a checking for understanding in an old educational phrase. I would have, I would assume there, there. but coach again, congratulations. This has been awesome to, to have you on the show. Just can't, can't thank you enough for making the time to, to come on with this. This has been a, this has been a real blast, a real blast. Hey, listen, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, thanks for doing this. This is an awesome platform. Awesome to, to kind of promote high school sports and coaches and the programs. And this is, this is, this is awesome. I appreciate you having me, man. I appreciate those kind of words too, coach. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and go watch some national championship hoops here now. But uh, for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of the greatest games.